You are listening to Lockdown, recorded live at RSA Conference 2016. Brought to you by Red Hat and TheStack.com. Recorded live at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Lockdown, recorded live at the Moscone Center here in San Francisco. My name is Richard Morrell. I'm the Principal Security Strategist at Red Hat, and I've been bringing you uh, episodes all week talking to some of the leading lights and some of the top hacking talent in the world here at RSA Conference. Now, if you look at the North and South Pavilions, you'll see major security vendors, Fortinet, F5, Cisco, HP. You can't throw a peanut without hitting a major security vendor. But if you look closely, dotted in between are these little startup organizations or fledgling security companies, the future backbone of security. And many of these companies will go on to be acquired by organizations. Some of them will fade away, but some of them will grow, hopefully, to be authorities in their own right. I talked today to ZoneFox, who are a UK startup organization based out of an incubation center in Edinburgh in Scotland. I love their technology. They remind me a lot of me 15 years ago when I was doing my own startup, Smoothball. And I hope that they go on to have the success that we did and learn the lessons along the way that we did. And I think that for many startups, potentially listening to this podcast, take courage and conviction from where these guys are because they've come over here on a shoestring without a, a, a penny in their pockets to demonstrate the capability of their product, but also to tell a story. And boy, what a story they've got. So without further ado, here's the podcast I recorded with Jamie and with Matt from ZoneFox. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Hey guys, you're listening to another recording, RSA Conference 2016. I'm joined by two men who've come over from the UK with the burgeoning promise of showing America how it's done. Startup companies are nothing new in Silicon Valley, but startup companies with a promise of success, which has already been you know, award-winning. Talk to me. Why, 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 why did Zone Fox come into existence? You talked to me yesterday and said an academic project. Sure. But, but what, why turn an academic project into an opportunity? Uh, thanks, Richard. So uh, the, the premise of Zone Fox uh, started, what, 10, 11 years ago when I was doing my PhD at, uh, at the university. And at that time, we were seeing people uh, being investigated for incidents on endpoints with types of data that were, quite frankly, not fit for purpose. So log files, uh, kinds of information that were uh, sort of... Uh, third-party pieces of evidence that could be, you could kind of uh, infer from them what was going on. But so, so, so what sort of incidents are we talking about? So we're, we're talking about people losing their jobs for, for alleged incidents on endpoints, so looking at file systems, uh, downloading certain types of data, and being accused of all kinds of really interesting things based on some pretty flimsy bits of evidence. But not being able to back that up themselves. Precisely, yeah. So okay. so, so my PhD was based on digital forensics, uh, so there's a evidence of weight, all that kind of good stuff. So we set out to come up with an ideal form of evidence in order to truly understand, both to go after the guilty parties, but also to exonerate the innocent as well, which we think is... You're like a crime fighter. 
you're like a you're like a superhero like crime fighter. I think of myself as Batman. Batman. Yeah, I do. But you and Batman have never been seen in the same room, so there is this vague possibility so, that so you are Batman. So the, the, this is the this is a conspiracy theory that exists, and I do a lot of press ups like Batman too. But Zone Zone Fox is a is an organisation. When did you start? Uh, we started in t- 2010. Uh, we spent at the university at that point. Uh, we spent a couple of years building alpha, beta testing with partners, getting our initial you know MVP together in order to take it out to market. Define what MVP is to people who don't know. Minimal viable product. A so minimal viable product. So you're talking about a runtime, something that actually executes that you exactly. can demonstrate. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And our okay. very first version was a command prompt, basically streaming our data f- from from the various. So, so, so how did you find Matt? Um, thanks, Richard. So I, I came to work for ZoneFox just over two years ago. I used right. to work for a large multinational uh, based in the UK. Decided that. Um, I wanted something different, and ZoneFox is a really innovative startup with a fantastic team, both in Jamie and uh, the other guys in the company. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I mean, the product's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and but, it's so applicable. But when you demonstrate it now, what, what sort of feedback are you getting? So people love it. They, I mean, genuinely, so I, we demonstrated it recently to someone who, um, he, he, I think the words he used were, it's magic. I don't understand how you can do this. It solves so many of my problems. You know, I want to know if I have an insider threat. I want to be alerted about it. I want to be able to go back and see what someone has done over the last 12 months, what mm-hmm. data they've accessed, how they've used it. And I can't understand how you managed to do that with no impact on the endpoint at all. So it's incredible. Jamie, talk to me about the ideal footprint customer. What's the type of customer you're talking to? Sure. So currently we service markets based in pharmaceuticals, online gambling, gaming, financial services, and they all share a bunch of really really difficult challenges to solve, which is who's accessing our IP, whether it be partner IP or in-house IP, Mm -hmm. and how do we solve these regulatory issues? So if you have users, if you have computers on your network and you have Mm -hmm. important data, you're a candidate for using ZoneFox. From a governance perspective, this is... It's, it's quite a prickly subject, isn't it? It really is, which is why uh, we're really against the FUD that occurs in, in, in the industry because we go into CISOs, we speak to a lot of individuals who are sick and tired being told that they've got a problem by someone who's selling fridges last week, mm-hmm. uh, being told that these guys are going to break in or the nation-state actors and so on and so forth. So what they want is uh, an OBS uh, set of individuals who sit down with them, take into account their business problems and map that into a solution that works. And a lot of it developed on Linux. Yep, a lot of it developed on Linux. Uh, we use full stack C, C++, uh, uh, .NET, and we use Python for some of our Linux pieces as well. And we're looking to port it to Linux ultimately because lower cost of ownership and so on and so forth. I mean, doing it under Linux also gives you the ability, one, that you can pretty much own your own destiny, build your own footprint. But it also comes with the same challenges that, you know, you're going to have to maintain that as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Matt, um, you and the guys have spoken about this at great length. Yes, yeah, so, so the technology we've chosen, we've, we've tried to use uh, commodity hardware, um, very popular packages mm-hmm. on, on uh, Linux, which means we're not trying to roll our own, which yeah, yeah. in terms of maintenance it's is hard fantastic. work. It, 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 it is. I mean, if you have to get a situation where you're pulling tables hmm. down and having to yeah. use G- GCC as your friend, well, that's not going to work. No, I absolutely agreed. So we're trying to make it as easy for us and therefore ultimately our customers as, as possible. So we, we want stability, we want, we want performance. And mm-hmm. the trick is the customer never wants to get under the hood and no, no, never, never should need to. No, absolutely. We agree with that totally absolutely yeah okay. next steps 
Next up, so uh, we've just launched a component, a machine learning component that allows the system to learn good from bad. So right now the system is based on a, a rules-based infrastructure which allows you to map your policies, so ISO 27001 or HIPAA, for example. Uh -huh. uh, but that, that's fine for telling you about the things you know about, but the unknown unknowns is a really tricky area. So we're aligning that with our machine learning capability. And talking about commodity hard, uh, hardware, we've decided to go from a set of approaches, well-known algorithms, uh -huh. well-known capabilities, it's taken a while for the, the uh, I guess, the R&D to catch up with the reality of what's required in the market. I mean, for example, we were looking at using graphics cards to do it. I do the processing yeah, from the CPU. It's just not going to fly. So, no. so we had to find a way that Next was sensible. PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> so, See um, that on the, on the budget line won't go down well. No. And, and during this work, we, we've discovered some really interesting things. So mm. we're beginning to be able to pick up not only bad behaviour. Uh, and differentiate that from good behavior. But we're also beginning to be able to differentiate potential levers as well. So Define what a lever is. So a lever is someone who is probably- Oh, a lever, L-E-A-V-A. Correct, no, no, so okay. someone who is potentially thinking about leaving an organization. Yeah, so, so this is the Edward Snowden effect in full. In full. Exactly, and everybody knows, I mean, we've all heard of gardening leave. Yeah. It's a fairly pointless exercise because if you're gonna steal data, you You've steal it, it before. before you hand in yeah, your notice. Yeah. So we're beginning to model behavior where someone changes, starts collecting all that data together, trying to exfiltrate it, they may have access to the data, sure. but you don't want them doing that. And we can spot those patterns of behavior which would suggest that someone is potentially gonna leave an organization. That's truly spooky. It is, and, and we saw this last week um, with a very large uh, global pharmaceuticals company, and we picked up one of their team downloading massive amounts of data and it triggered an alert and when we looked into the history we built up about this user's activity uh, she had pulled together tens of thousands of files and it turns out one of her peers had been let go she was concerned she might also be let go so she thought she'd harvest the data just in case uh, before she left normal networks wouldn't even think about picking it up no so uh, i mean well the algorithms we use we we looked at neural nets and we steered away so we're using Bayesian maths mm -hmm. uh, for this stuff which we find is, is far more lightweight and more effective um, and far lower hardware requirements as well. To your point about it being a difficult subject to broach, I mean, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the people we speak to are more concerned about accidental data breaches, and mm -hmm. it's about lack of training, lack of awareness. So a huge part of what we do is about understanding how effective training has been, how it could be more effective in the future, and measuring what has been fairly unmeasurable until now, and giving those as a set of feedback metrics. Yeah. And, and the other thing we see a lot of interest in is around compromised user accounts, mm -hmm. because of course, there may not be a person at the end of that user account collecting data data, doing whatever, it could be an account that's suddenly behaving differently because it's not the user who's in control of that account yeah, anymore. Sure. Yeah. So we so can essentially route a network. Or? Yeah, absolutely. So someone's been fished, someone's account is now being used to harvest data and uh, off-site yeah. exfiltrate it, um, and we can spot that. So put my Batman cape on, we can uh, show that those individuals are actually innocent. Innocent until proven guilty. Well, the, the individual may be innocent, the account may not be. But again, how many companies, you know, they, 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 they collect the laptop, they collect the mobile phone, but they don't shut the account down? Yeah, absolutely that. And, and we've, we've come across some really interesting examples of admin accounts which were created for a specific purpose. People forgot about them. They're still live. And, you know, these accounts could be used for anything. Which goes back to one of the recurring themes of the silos in organisations where cybersecurity is typically a function 
left to the techie guys and get on with it. Whereas we all know it's got to be a board level concern. It's got to be risk reporting metrics that are visible, that are as easily understandable to the board as say, I don't know, their, their operations or finance metrics. Have you thought about migrating some of this CPU power to the cloud to do it remotely? Or is it purely because of the nature of the customers you're working with, it just can't? So we do, so Zenfox runs both cloud or local. We, we don't mind, so. Um, but what about things like privileged data? I mean, do you have to spin up a new so instance some, or? So um, it's, it's a really good question. At the moment we're running uh, single tenanted on the cloud. So each customer has their own segregated uh, installation. So they exactly, right. so only they have access to that data. Mm-hmm. Now for some customers, that's fine. They're quite happy with that. Uh, for other customers, their data is sufficiently sensitive that they only want to run this on-premise uh, in their own data centers. And we can do either, we don't mind. Zone Fox, the biggest little company you've never heard of. I suggest you pay them, pay them some attention. Matt, next steps for you. Next steps for me, so um, we, we want to finish off the machine learning piece and push that out as wide as we can, because uh, as, as, we, as we go through this process, we're getting huge interest in it, and we, we expect to see huge uh, uptake in it. And the man with the beard. <laughs> the man with the beard. Says. Well, every photo I tried to find of you to put online last night didn't have a beard. So I, I'm, I'm in hiding right right now. It's fantastic. Um, so so next steps for us uh, is really about building a fantastic support community. So we've got a lot of DevOps engineers that are doing their very best, but we need to make sure our customers are very very happy. We're very very focused, making sure that they're delighted with the product and use cases as well. Absolutely. Uh, use cases that we can use in a practical manner. We've got a couple of anonymous case studies. Yeah. Uh, looks as if we'll get a couple of name studies fairly soon. Uh, there are some fantastic early adopters we've been working with, so we're now ramping up to start uh, penetrating the market more effectively. Congratulations on all your hard work today. And you know, as a fellow, I wouldn't say inventor, but a fellow coder, a fellow developer who's, who, who understands 18-hour days and, and lack of money, I take my hand off to you because I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't do it again. Your time. Mind you, I'm a lot older than you and I have children now, <laughs> so I'm not allowed to do it again. Guys, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can stream or subscribe to all the shows recorded this week via SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Be sure to catch up on Richard's latest security post at thestack.com, reporting on all this week's events here at the Moscone.